Hello, Dr. Dyke Drummond here at the home of TheHappyMD.com in beautiful Seattle, Washington. Welcome to the latest episode of the Physicians on Purpose podcast. Tools so you can recognize and prevent your own burnout. Stories of burnout put to its highest and best use and wellness leadership strategies. Everything you need to be a physician on purpose. And hello again, this is Dr. Dyke Drummond with the latest editions of the Physicians on Purpose podcast. We've got a friend of the broadcast here, Dr. Mike Schuf. He's been here before talking about leadership and leadership communication. What we're going to talk about today is to get his feedback and his review of a virtual scribe program. So virtual scribes are the latest way to get around needing on the ground, in-person folks as scribes in your office. It's a little bit bleeding edge. Uh, Mike has the ability to give us feedback from several years worth of 100 doctors in his system using the system. Uh, The system we're going to talk about today is we're going to review the Augmetics virtual scribe program. This is not a pitch by or from or sponsored by Augmetics. I have no connection with that company. What we're doing is just giving you a report from the field on how things are going. Let me just mention really quickly that one of the things we do here at thehappymd.com is create wellness champion. So if you want to play a role in the wellness movement in your organization, let me just tell you a little bit about our quadruple aim physician leadership retreat, which comes up in April and September of 2021. Mike's a graduate of the retreat. We've got spots open and would love to talk to you about the retreat, get you the complete overview. All you have to do is go to thehappymd.com and hit the retreats tab, and you'll see all about the Quadruple Aim Physician Leadership Retreat. Well, hey, Mike, great to have you back here again. If you would, please just introduce yourself, uh, what you do, your leadership position. Tell us a little bit about the organization before we get started. Wonderful. Thanks. Glad to be with you. So, Mike Schoff, I'm a family doctor. I've been doing that for about 28 years now, I think the math is. And uh, for the past oh, 14 months or so, I've been in a leadership position. I'm the primary care medical director for our primary care clinics in the Omaha, Omaha, Nebraska, Council Bluffs, Iowa metro area for uh, Catholic Health Initiatives or CHI Health, which is part of Common Spirit Health. So in the metro area, we've got about 22 primary care clinics that I help support and lead and guide. And and before that, I was 12 years with this organization as, as a family doc in the clinics. Great. And then let's just talk a little bit. We're talking about scribes. Well, let's just talk a little bit about the concept of team-based care, because when it comes to outpatient delivery of at least primary care and some other specialties, uh, we solved the burnout equation a long time ago, actually about 10 years ago with team-based care formats. And if you're taking notes, get ready to take some notes. I got some links down below. But what I want to say is that the first organization as a consultant that came out and actually had a viable team-based care initiative was called Team Care Medicine, teamcaremedicine.com. Go check out their website. What they do is upstaff the back office. You put more people in the back office to handle the workload that EMR brings, and you make some of them capable of scribing. So it's not necessarily a formal scribe. Some of these people are called super MAs. It's a super MA that escorts the patient in, does the vitals, reconciles the medicine, and stays in the room to scribe for you while you're with that individual patient. Another group that solved the team care 
uh, concept is called Belin Health, B-E-L-I-N Health in uh, Wisconsin. The guy in charge of that program is Jim Jerzak, great guy. And then the latest and greatest is Corey Lyon, C-O-R-E-Y, Lyon, L-Y-O-N at the University of Colorado. Corey's a family doc. His program is called the APEX program, A-P-E-X. He's published about APEX in family practice journals a couple of times over the last couple of years. Again, a super MA program. Here's a challenge. If you can get your organization to run a pilot of a team care project that amplifies the ability to get the job done in the back office by giving you more staff to help you with the documentation load, a super MA or a scribe, the first thing you're going to, that's going to happen to you if you try to do this at scale in your organization is you're going to run out of MAs. You're going to run out of scribe. You're going to run out of the people who could be there in person to do the scribing work that you need to have done for this to be cost effective. Because in order for a team-based care project to be cost-effective, if you put more people in the back office, you actually have to see more patients. So one of the adaptations in the industry is virtual scribes, meaning there's somebody scribing your visit, but they're not there. They're in a remote location connected by some sort of technology, cameras. One system has Google Glass, uh, recordings, that kind of stuff. And so one of the big players in the, in the field of virtual scribes that's been around for a while is one called Augmedics, A-U-G-M-E-D-I-X, Augmedics. And Mike, tell us a little history here of your group's experience with Augmedics, because it's not like you just started last week. <laughs> no, as you said, we've been four or five years probably now, the best my memory serves. And so a couple of points that we, yes, recognize the need for team-based care and and I personally believe that the super MA or whatever you want to call the model is a very good one, you know. And in addition to doing the things you talked about, Doc, of rooming the patient, they also take an expanded history more than a typical nurse would. So kind of like working with a, a resident or a medical, a senior medical student, where they spend more time with the patient, then they come out and pitch the doc, and you go in the room and see the patient. And it can really lead to some efficiencies. And as you mentioned, they've got you know, return on investment uh, data to show that it makes its money up in the end. But our experience was exactly what you described, that we have some of our existing MAs that were willing to do this, and now we need to backfill their other role. And we just could never really get a good volume of nurses willing to do this role. They were much happier doing a traditional MA role than doing the scribe role. And so we just could never keep docs staff. And so we're trying to find what other solutions are out there. Well, one of our docs went to, I believe it was the AAFP annual conference where Augmedics had a booth set up and, and he got their pitch and said, this sounds really interesting and came back and, and met with some of our senior leaders um, and said, I think we really need to try this. And credit to them, they didn't just blow them out of the water. They said, well, look, look into it. And they started looking into it and said, yeah, this might be worthwhile. And so they took the Dyke Drummond approach and decided to do a innovative pilot project. Right on. And see, see what would happen if for a period of time we tried to get, and their goal was to get 10 docs signed up and, and do it as a pilot. Well, at that time, uh, again, I was in my clinic working and I was griping a lot about the hamster wheel of primary care, that I go all day and see my patients in the clinic and get a few charts done, but mostly doing phone messages and lab results and whatever between patients. And so then I'd go home, have some dinner, log back into the computer, and I'd spend the next couple, two, three hours dictating and doing my charts before the end of the day. And, and every day just was continuing on that trend. And 
and it was getting tiresome and burning out and all that miserable stuff. And so I had raised comments and complaints about that and got, yes, we understand. So my manager came to me and said, hey, doc, there's this pilot we're looking to do with this company. And she explained the idea of remote scribing. She said, would you be willing to do it? And I'm person, I, I spent the first half of my career on residency faculty. So I taught residents what a good note should look like. And I continue to hold my, myself to that standard of, of a well-put-together office note. And I said, I don't think somebody else can do that that hasn't been to medical school, that hasn't been, I, I really am pessimistic. But somewhere in the back of my brain, the, the smarter part of me kicked in and said, but if I say no to this, I lose all rights to complain in perpetuity. Because they'll just say, well, we offered you something and you didn't want it. You also go right ahead and shut the door on Einstein's insanity trap. And you know the reality you were trapped in at the time. Yeah. And so if something didn't change, what was going to have to change is I'd have to change careers. I was actually at that point thinking about how could I convince a university that they want to have a doctor on their faculty. So I, I smartly said yes. And I told them I was hopefully pessimistic that it might work. So we started with it. And, and actually, one of the other questions I asked is, and again, the credits for the organization, I said, how long do I have to try it? If I really hate it, how long do I have to do it? And they said, one day. Oh, my. <laughs> so Augmetic started using the Google Glass technology, and, and I wear prescription glasses. That included that the company bought a pair of glasses for me so they could be in the right frames to fit the Google Glass equipment to it. So they bought me a couple hundred dollars worth of glasses. Nice. And said I only had to use it for one day. Very appreciative of that leadership model. So I did it for a day, and it was the worst day in clinic I've had since my internship. <laughs> but somewhere I saw a, a glimmer of hope. Again, we were the, the guinea pigs trying out our system. So the system was still trying to figure out how do we support it with enough technology and, and not getting bounced off the Wi-Fi and whatever else. The scribes had been trained with other doctors, obviously, but they hadn't worked ever with me. And so this is the first time I had a scribe. This is the first time they had scribed me. And so it was just uh, like any time you work with a new nurse or anybody else on any sort of a team. You know, if you play pickup basketball two-on-two, two, if you've never played with the other person before, it takes a while to figure each other out. So it was painful, but I could see that it was potentially helpful. So we stuck it out and it saved my career. Well, and when you first launched, you said that their pilot was meant to be 10, but I'm assuming that it didn't launch with 10. It was you and how many other people in the first day, first wave? I think there were actually like nine of us. Oh my. One dropped out, one dropped out relatively quickly, couldn't figure out. That doc had a lot of medical students working with her and she couldn't figure out how to interplay with the scribe well. And so after a month or so dropped out, but I think all the rest of us stayed on. Very cool. Very cool. And now at this point, uh, let's just fast forward to where we are today. How many people are on the system and what is the technology? Because I don't think they use Google Glass anymore, do they? Right. So in our system, I, I haven't looked up the exact numbers, but it's probably about 100 providers across pretty much all specialties. Medical specialties, a little more than surgical specialties. ER, um, those are some of the big users of doing it, but primary care. Number one, there's just more primary care docs than anybody else in our system, like there should be. But again, because of the burden of how much documentation there is, more doing it. So yeah, I've got about 100 people on the system, of just again, across our part here in, in Nebraska, Western Iowa. And now what they use, instead of the Google Glass, and they get better things with what basically looks like your cell phone. So a device looks like a cell phone, has a little space that it sits on, and uh, the provider just walks into the room, places the device in a place where it's pointing towards the patient. Because the device, just like your cell phone, has a camera and a microphone, 
And then the screen part of the phone, the scribe can type a message to ask questions or to give information to you. So my process of using it, I would start in my office and dictate to the scribe a little bit of the background story. So, hey, we're going to go see Dyke next. I saw Dyke three weeks ago for his hypertension. It was high. I added whatever to his medication regimen, told him to lay off the salt, and asked him to come back in three weeks to recheck. So the scribe would have all that typed in for me. And then I go in the room again, put my device where it would see Dyke, and we just have a conversation. And one of the beauties, in addition to the time factor, which is a big thing for me, but it also made a connection. So we all know there are lots of docs that spend their visit with the patient behind the EMR screen typing on their keyboard. Now, I can't type and talk and listen at the same time, so that never worked for me. But I always had to have a piece of paper, and I was always scribbling down notes to myself to dictate later what I was doing. With Augmetics, I did have a piece of paper still, so if there was some note I needed to make to myself, I'd go back and ask them again about this, or a data point I wanted to write down, or a to-do afterwards. I could keep my own little chicken scratch notes, but it didn't need to be very much. I could sit knee-to-knee with Dyke and look eye-to-eye and have a conversation. And the scribe was just typing all the medically pertinent parts of that. You know, he didn't fill his prescription, but he decided he was going to work on lifestyle stuff instead of whatever else goes on. And they would do that. And the camera part is because, as you see a patient, you go, well, doc, it hurts here. So the scribe can just look up and see on their monitor that the patient's pointed their left shoulder. So they would be able to type in patient left shoulder pain. And, and then all this with Augmetics is a live stream that's uh, encrypted, so it can't be hacked, supposedly. But it's live. There's no copy made. So I would tell my patients, for example, if you tell me today that you smoke pot and 20 years from now you want to run for president of the United States, TMZ can't hack into the website and find that recording. It's all private, just, just like the scribe was sitting in the room with me. But they don't have to be here taking up space. It's an encrypted two-way communication yes. that is not saved. Yes. Before every encounter, our, our corporate policy is we had to consent the patient to the scribe service. So the first time the patient was involved in it, it took an explanation of what the service was and what it did. Follow-up visits, my nurse would just say, now, doc's still using the scribe service. Is that okay? And they would say, yes. And then we documented that just for legal purposes. But they always knew what's going on. In my experience, about 5% of patients declined. Um, Most of those, their complaint was sexual or emotional in nature, behavioral. A few people have some, I don't know, paranoia, technophobia kind of things that somebody was going to do something evil with their information. But for the most part, really well accepted. And again, in my experience, even more so than an in-person scribe, because you quickly forget that little piece of technology sitting on the table or sitting on my glass, and it's just the two of us in the room. And so it really was very well accepted. So they, I communicate to the scribe by talking. The scribe communicates to me. They type, and that comes up on that uh, cell phone screen. Hey, doc, I didn't understand what the patient said about this. Exactly. Or I could ask the scribe a question. So what was their blood pressure at last visit? And the scribe can look in our EMR and just flash up on the screen for me whatever the last blood pressure was. So the scribe can pull things onto that little screen for you if you need it. Great. When you started the program, what was the expectation of the additional number of patients you needed to see in order to continue to justify the program? Yeah, so that's a great question. And again, I'm thankful for our organization. They actually recognized the twofold piece. One is the, the yes, we would like to see you, you, you see more patients to make up the financial hit for pain ascribed. But the other part is they, they did recognize the burnout piece. And, and recognize that, that, and not just specific for me, 
But if, if we could keep a good dock and keep them happy, that's worth the investment on its own. We all know the cost of replacing docks and whatever else. So I was grateful for that. So I was told the minimum was not to decrease. You'd naturally find an increase. And they were looking for a couple of patients a day. If you look at the literature, the business literature around hiring a single scribe and giving a doctor a single scribe at about $25 an hour, and you say, how many more patients does outpatient family practice doc need to see in a day in order to pay for the scribe? The number has been 1.7, 1.8, around two extra patients a day. So that's where that two comes from. And that's a primary care one. If we're talking about specialists, running specialty outpatient clinics or ER, stuff like that, the number is even lower simply because the charges per case are a lot higher. And so at this point in time, Mike, are there people are, are there people that are using the scribes that don't necessarily meet the production quota that your folks set? Yeah. So, so actually, we've, we've changed initially for the first couple of years we did it. You had to meet a certain productivity to be eligible to even try it, and it was above the median. Um, as a way to how can we help our busy docs and unburden them. But we also found that a lot of our docs and our APPs would start to get up to maybe the 40th percentile nationwide and plateau. And they had a hard time getting over that hump. And they would say, well, Jim, I spend so much time doing this and doing that and sharding and doing this and doing that, that I can't really, uh." and we found that if we gave them augmentics, that that let them get over the hump without killing them. And so now that's really our model is, is yes, we want you relatively busy. So maybe the 40th percentile, no hard fixed number. It's a case-by-case basis. But maybe on the 40th percentile and, and keeping all the other work standards, you're eligible, you're able to see patients, you've got clinic openings, all that kind of fun stuff. And the standard now is just, and you will continue to be available and you'll continue to see patients and you're going to work with us at growing your practice in a reasonable manner. And as long as there's progress up to and maybe a little above the 50th percentile, the answer is the system pays 100%. Excellent. Very visionary stuff. I, I haven't talked to a lot of folks that have had scribes implemented like this. Um, I've certainly not talked to any organization where the leadership team said, give everybody one, which is the right answer, but give everybody one. Could be a little more yeah. accountable for productivity, but give everybody one is the right answer. A lot of groups will give the high producers a scribe. So they'll give the ER docs and the orthopedic surgeons a scribe, right? A lot of producers will give the failing doctors a scribe, but uh, to give folks in the middle a scribe and it gets them over the hump without, as you say, killing them is a really important leadership decision to make. Yeah. And there are some limitations, just quite frankly, just the, can we grow with technology? Can they grow with scribes? So it isn't just, yeah, anybody that wants it can get it today. But yes, in a, in a triage fashion, priority fashion of we can bring on about so many providers every so many months, we bring on a, another cohort of new providers. So it does take a good amount of, of IT investment up front, both time and some resources, depending on the Wi-Fi setup in your clinic base, because it's all Wi-Fi connected. Right. You don't want to be dropping in out of your connection as you walk into an exam room or out. And then the training for the docs, and, and again, the backside the augmentics has to have new scribes up and ready to take on our, our doctors. Their model has, ideally, each provider has a primary scribe and a secondary scribe, and both of them spend time with you in a typical week, um, just so they stay up to date and know your preferences. Again, just like any other team-based care, you know, when, when you've got an established MA that you're working with, that flow just comes so much easier because you anticipate each other's needs. You can say things in shortcuts and you know what to expect. But, but there were times where 
things happened and you know you got to scribe that it never worked with you before. It was a little slower, but still, again, much better than having to make me drag in all my notes or type all my notes. And then where are their scribes located? So they started, they were a startup out of San Francisco. So my initial scribes were all in the Bay Area. And most of them were somewhere between undergraduate school and doing something else in their lives. So they were applying to medical school. They were applying for other things. Um, I have scribes that now are in medical school, in PA school. One's in grad school for some biotech stuff. One went to a biotech research firm. There's a lot of turnover with that to keep the Americans interested. And, and they're always doing it as an in-between. So they actually now, the majority of their scribes are, are offshore and mostly in India and around that area. So it's a middle of the night for them when they're scribing for us. But again, a good group of people that, that I was worried about the language, and English isn't their primary language, but very quickly that worked well. Again, they were taught English, they were taught medical scribing, they were taught medical terminology classes, all that stuff. So just a little bit of help, again, of how I want things done, a little bit of some semantic stuff I played with with a couple of the scribes, but but the notes really did sound like an American doctor created them. And right I on. didn't let them do any click, 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 click. It all has to be, at least for the history, it all needs to be free text. And then how much, just as a ballpark for a doc um, working, what is your 1.0 FTE inside your organization? How much does it cost for one of these scribe, for to have the scribe service up for them at all times? I don't remember the number, but I know it is uh, less than half of trying to have a, an on-site scribe. So less than half the cost of somebody sitting there in the room, just as we pay salary and benefits and whatever else, the cost that we pay Augmetics to do the same service offsite was less than half. Gotcha. And I'm imagining that the feedback from the folks who've been able to, you know, cross the threshold of actually implementing a scribe into their practice, because there's some people that won't be able to cross that bridge. But for the folks who do, who I would expect to be the majority, I always think about the 80-20 rule, right? And I would imagine your scribe can cover about 80% of the patient visit documentation that needs to be done. For those people who've been able to successfully incorporate a scribe, I'm imagining you're getting some positive feedback. Yeah. Again, so my productivity increased and I'm able to see a few more patients every day. And again, make, be on schedule because I'm not taking the time, especially those who, were, who wanted to do the note during the visit or during the between visits. So we're taking that time away from them. They don't have to do that for note doing. They can go see the next patient. Or again, like me, they can get into their in-basket and fight through that. Wish we could find a scribe that could do that, but oh well. It's called a nurse. So, so, yeah. so, so they get <laughs> their productivity increases, their, their, which increases, of course, their salary. So they're making more money. Uh, they're taking less time to do it. And so the work-life balance is there. For me, pre-augmetics, for an average eight-hour day in clinic, I spent a good three hours afterward with my notes. Again, I'm OCD in those ways. I probably could have done it quicker, but I didn't. With Augmetics, when I had a scribe that I was comfortable with, it was about 40 minutes, maybe 45, to go through a full day's worth of notes. So the scribe types the notes out, and then they import it when they're done. They do a lot of shorthand initially, so they go back after the visit and touch it up and make it all look pretty. And then they'll import it into the electronic medical record, and it's there for me to review whenever I want to usually within 10 minutes of, of me saying goodbye to the patient. Wow. So if I'm available to look at it now, I can look at it now and proofread it. Or again, for me, I tended to do that later. But it's just a matter of proofreading. So you read through the HPI, does that sound like the visit? The place that most of us, when you when you go to look at a chart, if you're going to look back at some old notes, what do you do? You look at the assessment and plan. I get down to there and make sure that that was nice and and accurate and, and organized the way I wanted it. But once I looked at it, it was, it was a good note. 
there's a little thought phrase kind of thing in our software system that would put in a little attestation statement. I, Michael Schoff, had reviewed this and it's an accurate representation. And I assign the visit, I assign a billing level and I assign the visit and I'm done. Right on. So three to four per patient, done with the note. A couple of the most difficult things, the reasons that being overwhelmed in the back office by documentation tasks is so terrible for doctors is it results in just exactly what you said. It ping pongs into what's called pajama time, right? So you're going to make it right by the things you do after the kids are in bed, pajama time where you're documenting from home. We can track those kind of things in a lot of different EMR programs, like where are you logging on from and how much, how many keystrokes come from your home computer, that kind of stuff. But until you have enough people to handle the workload, you really can't help the doc in a meaningful way. So now you unload the busyness of the day, you eliminate a bunch of the pajama time and everything gets a lot easier. I'm just going to say this, and I've said this for years, any organization that does not have a scribe pilot in play to test the mechanism of a pilot project to get enough people to do the documentation workload. If you're not doing a scribe pilot in your organization, I should be criminal at this point in time. Test to see how you can implement scribes to help the documentation workload for your primary care doctors now. Go do it. Doesn't have to be 10 people. That's an enormous pilot project, by the way. I would start with one or two, right? But if you've said to yourself, but where are we going to find these people? Well, you know what? You just found them. Now, I'm not advertising for Augmetics. We have no financial relationship with Augmetics. I'm just giving you a review from the field from Mike, who has a hundred of his docs using these, these services, and it's working out really well. There are competitors to Augmetics in the, in the niche. Augmetics is not the oldest one. But like Mike said, they've been around for four or five years. So I think they've sort of hammered out some of the growing pains that these companies might be involved in. Challenges. Let's just go through them. Your Wi-Fi is out. Your connection's down. The power's gone. You're back on your own again. That's number one. Number two, I have worked with a lot of different people who have successfully incorporated either a virtual or a live scribe, and they say it's not enough. And they say exactly what you just said. It's not just the patient note. It's my inbox, it's refills, it's consult notes, it's all the other electronic documentation routines that I have to go through that used to be covered by my nurse. But now I don't have a nurse because the group doesn't allow nurses in the back office in primary care. It's just MAs and, and other lower level people. I need somebody who can screen my inbox, who can actually apply some medical knowledge to it, right? So don't think that scribes are a magic potion because there's still plenty more work to do in the back office. And a lot of it is electronic documentation. Any last thoughts here, Mike? And there are other things to do for those. Again, we've played and been successful with some and not successful with others. A refill protocol, you know, where you can authorize a nurse to at least pen orders for refills. They can screen through them and help. We've looked at and haven't been successful with not just some software trying to help with that, that it would automatize those protocols that give you a green check mark if, if it met the protocol and a red check mark, a red X if it didn't, that so you can look through and try to speed that up. Again, there are just little things you can do that way that, that can help that maybe others can be more successful with. But that's what it's about. I mean, our providers, where they do their best job is in assessing and managing patients and being knee to knee and eye to eye with them. And, and whatever we can find to help them do that will make them happier, will make them more productive, they'll get better care. They'll have time and effort into the quality care that we're all trying to do instead of just turning the turnstile 
and, and again, we'll go home happier, and, and that's what we need. So the, the ROI is there if you can make that initial investment. It really does pay off. One more nurse per every two doctors or whatever to do some more of those phone calls and get the docs out of that and in the exam room really is a benefit. It's just finding those people and convincing the administration that, that we can do the project and try it and, and prove it. Well, and the essence of team-based care is actually very simple. Match the hands on deck to the amount of work that needs to be done. EMR came along and in one swell foop, doubled your workload in the back office. Up until now, most groups have not upstaffed to handle it. They just count on the invisible efforts of the doctors after their kids are in bed at night to make sure the paperwork is done. And as light workers, doctors can't not do that. And it's an enormous cause of burnout. But again, I want to say a scribe is often not enough simply because of the quantity of digital work here. Well, Mike, thank you so much for sharing your experience. It's really super important. Again, we have no relationship with Augmetics. We are not recommending Augmetics. We're just giving you a from-the-field experience report of a virtual scribe service that works for this system. And let me just make another quick plug for our Quadruple AIM Physician Leadership Retreat, which comes up in April and September of this year. This is where we train you to be an effective physician wellness champion give you the tools and support so that you can go back home again and play a role in the wellness committee in your organization. Eight weeks of follow-up support, 13 hours of CME. It's, uh, it's great stuff. And Mike is one of the graduates of the program. Mike, if you can just quickly unmute yourself. And yeah, he's finishing his hands up. Tell us a little bit about what you learned at the retreat. I think the biggest learning was putting everything together in one time and one place. And then as Dyke told us when we started, that follow-up to then really let it start to cement and come together. We all go to CME conferences. We drink from the fire hose over a three- or four-day weekend, and you go home, and you get busy back into life, and you never implemented the things you thought you learned. This gave us the chance each month to have follow-up to say, so what are you doing about it? And you had time to think about it and time to re-motivate to say, how can we help each other? How can we help ourselves? And I like that approach, too, that we looked at, we started with individuals and we grew into systems about what can be done to help keep us all a little bit healthier. Right on. Well, thanks again, Mike. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being a good leader. I'm so glad you're in a great organization because every time they've had a chance to do the right thing, it sounds like they've done so. So that's it. Dyke Drummond here, the latest edition of the Physicians on Purpose podcast. Subscribe where you get your podcast. Mike, have a great rest of your day, okay? Thanks. Bye-bye.